Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations, metrics, and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm super excited to introduce you guys to our guest today. He is a gentleman that I met through SAS Academy, through my friend Dan Martell. Uh, we're a big collective of software founders. And this next guest is a person that came in and started doing incredible trainings, adding a ton of value to the group. He is the founder of one of Canada's fastest growing digital agencies powered by search. He's also the founder of Million Dollar Agency. He's also a professor at Seneca College School of Marketing. I don't know how he has time for all of these things, but somehow he does. Uh, This is a guy that has grown a multi seven figure agency and somehow still has enough time to teach other agency owners how to grow their business faster. I've had the pleasure of meeting all the people in that group. They're a fantastic group. And he's stopping by today to share the nine systems that every agency needs to grow and scale. So with all that, I'm excited to have you on the show, Mr. Dev Basu. Thanks for being here today. Marcel, I'm so stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So there's a lot of things that we can talk about today, but um, I want to start by giving you the stage for a moment to really explain what it is that you do and, and how you're helping agencies today. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so with Million Dollar Agency, I run a program where I work with agencies who are growing and scaling fast enough. The reason I do it is because I think that most agencies are the expert, but they're not treated as such. Mm. And they often run into problems with attracting and getting enough of the right leads Uh, converting those conversations to clients, and then finally delivering a service that is both meaningful and wows the client as well. And so those are some of the systems that we've built at the Powered by Search over the last decade. And now I get to do it. I have a lot of fun working with, you know, agency owners who are motivated and are interested in growing not only their practice, but having a better life for themselves and for their families as well. Awesome. And and I think one of the things that I love about you, Devin, I want everyone that's listening to understand this is like, you have built an agency to a world class level, you're now doing numbers that I think a lot of people aspire to do. And you have the time to basically start another business. So it's testament to how well you create systems within the business. And I think that's a really important thing because I think there's a difference between running a successful agency and having golden handcuffs on and having to be a linchpin in that business versus kind of what you've created, which is really an asset and something that is basically able to run without very much of your input. Although obviously you enjoy running the business, you still do that. Um, I think that's a really important thing to note. And so with all of that context, you're not only a practitioner and running an agency business, but now you're also teaching people, which I think is great because you're still in the trenches. You're, you still own and run the business. And I think that sets you apart in many ways from a lot of the other people, albeit very smart people that you know, I've interviewed and that are out there teaching agencies. I think that's something that's unique and that I really admire uh, about what you're doing. But with all of that, I think it's important to have a little bit of a backstory here. You know, why did you start Powered by Search and how did you get into this space in the first place? That's a great question. I have always been insatiably curious about things that 
attracted my attention and I had wanted to figure out how things work. And for me, uh, I was 16 working at Microsoft Canada. And there was a time in that space where I was managing a portion of Microsoft Canada's website. And when you search for it online, it went missing. So specifically for something called an OEM program. Hmm. And one day I ended up getting all these emails from my customers that I ended up working with saying, Dev, I can't find the link. This was one of those old SharePoint links. If you, you know, recall the ones that are about 64 characters long, you can't dictate them over the phone. So by no means a pretty link in any way. And they were looking for it. Uh, so I emailed at that day, maybe about 50 batches, six times over. And I was ripping my hair out going, why is this so difficult? Why can't I just use Google to find their page on Microsoft Canada's website? And of course, you weren't allowed to use Google if you worked at Microsoft. So I had to tell my customers to use not Bing because it didn't exist back then. We, we had to tell them to use MSN, msn.ca. <laughs> and they couldn't find the URL. So I went to my, my VP at that point. I said, this is really embarrassing. We built a search engine that can't find a page on our own website. And she said, yes, I agree. It's, it's embarrassing. Go fix it. Here's some money. Go fix it. So I remember signing off on the purchase order. The PO was for over $100,000. And I gave that to the web design agency that was responsible for updating that section of the website. Three months went by and nothing happened. They got paid. They saw no results. And that was just mind-boggling to me. A, I was very curious. as How does it ha- happen where no one asks any questions about that type of thing? And second, they must have applied some effort. Why didn't it work? That's how I got really curious in the world of Google and search engines and how that all worked. That led to a journey of uh, you know, like launching my own affiliate blogs, uh, make money online type blogs. It's like going back to 2007. And then that led to my first agency where the Yellow Pages group, a subsidiary of them, uh, basically invited me on board and said, hey, you know what? No one's really using the Yellow Pages books anymore. Can you come and help build a digital practice over here? Our clients are leaving and taking their advertising dollars to smaller digital agencies. Uh, We'd rather not lose them. Come work with us instead. And so I took that and I said, this is a great opportunity. I get to learn sales and marketing from you know, people who are 30 to 40 year old, uh, you know, veterans within the Yellow Pages business, which has always been a great sales organization. And so that was a great opportunity for me during my school years. And then right the day after school finished, the entrepreneurial bug was, you know, kind of, I was feeling the itch for a while. And so the day that I finished my final exams of my undergrad, I took a business degree at uh, University of Toronto, I incorporated Powered by Search. And, you know, lo and behold, I basically gave myself six months to say, you know what, let's give this a shot and see where it goes. And that was when I was uh, 20 or 21. I'm 31 right now. And and so 10 years ago, that's how I got my start. So that's how you got to Powered by Search. And in 10 years, you know, like to to toot your own horn a little bit, I mean, you've been able to accomplish quite a bit. What does Powered by Search look like today? Oh man, we've been extremely fortunate. You know, we've gone through every roller coaster there is to go through every mistake in the book that, that, that is to be made. And then a lot of successes as well. So if you know the, the entrepreneurial lifestyle is a little bit like a yo-yo, right? There's extreme highs and extreme lows. Uh, I mean, some of the highs that we've been really fortunate about is working with some of the best, largest growing companies in the world. So if you think about the, the FedExes, the Bank of Montreal's, Remaxes of the world coming to us with complex digital challenges where they're not being found online or they are getting the traffic, it's not sticking around. And then finally, if they are getting the traffic, no one's buying and they're not converting. So helping figure that out and working with them side by side. And I think that 
creating enough value that we started growing on uh, our own, being completely self-funded into a, a multi-million dollar business, then getting some accolades along the way, uh, you know, multiple years of ranking as the fastest growing consulting agency from a digital perspective um, on rankings like the Profit Hot 550 and then the, the Growth 500, the Brandon 300 rankings and so on. They're always kind of a nice little feather in the cap. It doesn't really mean that you're running a great business from a, a growth perspective. Um, ultimately, I think the things that I'm really proud, proud about is just having a great culture in the agency and having a happy team. Seeing too many folks in other digital agencies coming to us, burnt out, doing things last minute, not having any systems, and just enabling a better place for experts to work with other experts and to do so in a calm fashion. That's been probably one of the, the biggest sort of joys of working with people over the last 10 years. Awesome. So for those that are listening, you've been able to build this great business. To your point, you've learned from a lot of the mistakes, the trials and the tribulations. But today, you know, you have this successful agency. Most agency owners that I know barely have time to sleep. And yet you have time to go out and do mentorship and teach at a college and now help other agency owners. How have you been able to, what are some of the keys to being able to build that kind of leverage into your agency as it is today? I'd say the first step is knowing what you want and what your your unique ability basically is. And so for me, what I wanted was to really make this jump from employee to entrepreneur and from entrepreneur to advisor, from advisor into investor. And that's the world that I've tried to very purposefully create for myself and in my life. Um, the, and my unique ability is you know, strategic guidance and around coaching. And so I'm able to take really complex concepts and turn them into simple, easy to understand solutions. And I was looking for ways to be able to do that. And in terms of time, like, look, we all have the same time in the day, same 24 hours. Uh, we just choose to prioritize it differently. And so I moved towards not so much time management, but more, more like energy management. And I found that I was more energized when I was working with other founders and digital agencies, when I was working with people within my own agency and were jamming on ideas and had how did you to do better? Not just to accept the status quo, not just to say that this is just the way it is, or this is the way the clients are. Um, but there's always a question of how might I, how might I make this better? How may I make this faster? How might I make this process cheaper? And how might I play at a bigger level? And so that's kind of what drives me in everything that I do today. And I think that brings us nicely into kind of the next point, which is around the systems that are kind of required to also have an agency that, you know, is able to grow and scale, but also create leverage, you know, for the, the founding team and the executive team. So I'd love to dig into that. I know this is like a, a topic that you've spoken on a few times, but what are those, you know, important systems that every agency needs to make sure that they have inside of their business in order to be successful? Right. So let's look at some of the problems that agencies have first, right? So, and then the systems come, systems are always a means to solving a problem, especially the problem, something that comes up very often. So if, for example, you don't have a way for attracting and getting the right kind of right fit leads, then you end up getting no authority. You know, you're essentially a me too agency where you're focused on the next possible client that comes in. Uh, often I find that agencies are very power proud of the fact that they have a high referral rate or word of mouth rate. That's just another way of saying we don't control our leads. Uh, we do great work, but the client controls when we get another client because they make their referrals happen on their own whim as opposed to having a system for it. 
So if you don't have the system to attract, that it means you have no authority. Uh, the second is that agencies spend a ton of time uh, sussing through suspects versus prospects, people who are really, they don't have the budget, they don't have the buying power, they don't have a specific need, and their timing is not maybe or someday, not really right now. And agencies spend time, it's somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour speaking with prospects who aren't a quality fit. Therefore, they're not able to take their conversations and turn them into clients. They don't actually have a, an engineered sales process to be able to go from that initial conversation down to a scope of work to the point where they close that scope of work and it's a profitable deal from the very start, from day one. Hmm. And the last one is service delivery issues. So most agency owners are glorified firefighters, right? All they're doing is running around all day and they're very adept at putting up the fire. And sometimes we even get a bit of joy out of putting the fire because it strokes our own ego as well. But really your job is not to be the firefighter. Your job is to put systems in so that there aren't fires in the first place. Um, in our world, in, in Agency Academy, we call that attract, convert, and deliver. So kind of three systems for that. Um, and then breaking that down into subsystems, starting with uh, the first one being narrowing your niche. Mm-hmm. And so most agencies that I speak with are, are squarely generalists. And it means that they can't establish expertise in a given vertical or a given type of client depending on their problem. And so they end up selling everything to everyone, really. And uh, as a result of that, you know, they don't, they're not in control of their own destiny or their calendars. It just means that their, their calendars are filled by many different types of prospects. They're creating many different types of content, and there's no focus at all. So that's the first piece is the specificity. And it's funny how this comes up on almost every single episode that we do, whether we're talking about how to get more sales or we're talking about how to make more profit on the back end. Specificity is always a part of that conversation. And so if you're hearing this again, you're hearing it again because it's important and it makes a lot of sense. If the key thing about taking your attract systems is the goal is the system has to take you from obscurity and being in the Me Too agency to dominance in a specific small uh, niche of people. And so those audiences should look at your agency as the go-to source. So once you've figured out what your, your niche or your niche basically is, the next step is to start building authority in that niche. And so what are the specific content themes, or some people call this thought leadership, but what do you want to talk about in that niche such that they start seeing you as an authority? And that can be a couple of different things. It's not just the stages that you need to show up on. And that could be an actual physical stage. It could be a webinar. It could be your publishing. It could be your blog. Uh, But more so, it's more about the specific topics that you have. Most agencies really vector heavily on their process. And process is all about logistics, right? We have a 50-step system for auditing your website. That's an example of a process. Instead, you build authority by showing people that you understand that there are problems. And, and you can articulate them better than they can. And so we have a, a model called the four forces where we look at what are some of the, the fears, the frustrations, wants, and aspirations of that target avatar that you're after. But it all starts with picking a niche because if you don't pick a niche, then you don't have one avatar. You have lots of different avatars. And so if you're, spe- you're specifically working with, uh, for in our case, for example, we work with B2B software companies that aren't growing fast enough. Uh, and we understand that we work with demand generation teams, marketing teams where 
the marketing team is responsible for direct response marketing activity that leads to revenue. The revenue means demos and trials. That's all we do. We, we generate more demos and trials so that the marketing can essentially support an increase in monthly recurring revenue or MRR. And so now if we start talking to demand generation managers, VPs of marketing, directors of revenue operations, these are some of the job titles and roles, we can actually figure out like what are some of their frustrations? What's the most frustrating about frustrating thing about uh, running an AdWords campaign and not getting quality demos? What's the most frustrating thing about hitting publish on a blog post but not getting any leads from it? And once we know those things, we can start talking about those problems and articulating them much better than they can because they're so, so focused on uh, the symptoms as opposed to the root cause of the problem. That's how you build authority. So that's the second system after building your, uh, your niche or narrowing down your niche. The third system is installing automation. And this is something that agencies often do for their clients, but they don't actually do for themselves. It, it boggles my mind because it's always like, you know, the, the cobbler's son gets his shoes last. Uh, installing automation does not need to be very complex. You know, every time somebody is coming to your website, do you have a system for turning an anonymous person into a known person? That's the first job of your website. Because if you, if you can attach a name and an email address to that person, you now have a means of speaking with them. And you now need to give them a way or a reason to share that name and email address with you as well. Sometimes people call that a lead magnet. Other people call it a, a content upgrade. It doesn't really matter as long as one of those uh, you know, cookies, if you will, are tied to one of those fears, frustrations, wants, or aspirations. Now, once they have it, you know, we think about um, email and connecting with prospects in a completely different way. Most marketers think about how do they get a higher open rate on my email? How, many, how can I get more clicks on my email? Hmm. But really, the purpose of installing automation is to get more responses. I think that most uh, agency owners focus on the wrong KPI. What we want is for people to open our emails and hit the reply button and to start a dialogue, a conversation. Because if they start a conversation with you, you can now engage them. You can ask them about their situation. You can identify if there's an actual problem and a need and a time frame that they wish to solve it in. And then you can make an easy offer to want, you know, to help them essentially. And the cool thing is you can start doing this not only in email, you can do it in social, you could do it in chat. And uh, that's all about installing automation. So rather than having it you know, feel really slow, how do you make it feel effortless? That's that system around installing automation. So I'll pause right there. Attract is built up of narrowing your niche, building your authority, and installing automation so that you're not just selling one-to-one anymore. You are selling one-to-many, and you can do it in your sleep, which sounds like a pipe dream for most agencies, but you build it once, and then it just runs itself. That's a beautiful thing about computers is if you teach them to do something, Until you tell them not to do that, they'll just keep doing it again and again. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. 
I love everything that you're talking about here because it, I think perfectly summarizes some of the nuggets that we've gotten from different people on episodes past. Blair Enns came in and talked about the importance of building authority so that it increases your leverage in the sales process and allows you to sell from your heels, which and your framework for how to actually pragmatically build that authority, I think is great. You know, starting from the hot buttons, the frustrations, building your content strategy around that. You know, we've talked, I've talked at nauseum with people about how pipeline is kind of the first thing, you know, I'm an operations consultant, but I don't really add any value until your sales pipeline is full. And mm-hmm. so that's a big frustration for me is we get out, I get on a call with somebody and they want me to make them more profitable. I'm like, you don't have the sales pipeline or the sales process or even a way to predictably get people into that sales pipeline that's going to allow me to de- optimize your utilization because there's no work for me to optimize it with. So super, super key. And I think it's great that this is the first piece of um, your framework because it is the most important. If you can't go and get clients, then all the other things that we can do on the back end of the business are going to not be as valuable. Still important, but they're not going to pay off and give you as much return um, if you're not able to do them in a repeatable way. Yeah, totally. That's why we start with attract first for most agencies that are, they haven't broken a million dollars in their annual revenues. This is the, the piece that you want to work on. There are many other pieces like the convert and the deliver pieces around service delivery, but sales cures all. So if you don't have pipeline, you don't have opportunities. And if you don't have opportunities, there's no work to do. You're just going to sit around twiddling your thumbs, hoping for the next deal to come in. Yeah. So there's attract. And the second piece of the framework now is convert. So what are the systems in convert that agencies need to make sure they get right? Right. So if you don't have any conversion, you don't have growth. And so you know you have a conversion problem. If you look at your financials over the course of the year, and they're just kind of stagnant, they're like puttering along, you get a client, you lose a client, it seems almost like two steps forward equals one step back. And so if that's happening to you, it's a telltale sign that your sales process is kind of loose instead of what it should be, which is really locked in, really dialed in. To do that, what you have to do is three things. Uh, The first one is you need to really master how you create your offer. That is uh, auditioning prospects. And so auditioning prospects is like about, you know, changing the way that you establish your influence. In many cases, what ends up happening is a prospect comes to you and really what ends up happening is you as an agency are the one auditioning. So it's a bit like Simon Cowell on uh, American Idol. Instead of you being the person trying to compete for American Idol, you have to imagine yourself like you're Simon Cowell. And you, it's a little bit of role reversal really to have what I think Blair Enns calls it a probative conversation mm-hmm. with, uh, with the prospect. I really understand what their future desired state is, where are they at today, what's missing or broken, and then really exploring it as a if or how you might be able to help them. So adding in that optionality is really important because I've seen a lot of agency owners jump and say, if uh, the prospect has three asks, you know, we need a new website, we need a marketing campaign, and we need you to do some marketing automation. The agency owner goes, yep, we can do that. Yep, we can do that. And yep, we can do that. It sounds a little bit like you're giving an order to a waiter in a restaurant because of course they're going to say yes if you've got a menu that you can order off of. But when you add an optionality and you're exploring the fit mutually, uh, you can actually start really changing the dialogue and the conversation. Uh, in our system, we do it you know, very simply. The, the first place that we start off a conversation with is laying down an agenda and taking control of the call right in the beginning. So establishing why we're talking, the agenda, the timeline, and the next steps. 
And you're doing that in the first 30 seconds of the phone call. Then you're going into the first question being, why is this a now conversation for you? Which establishes importance right off the fact. Old school, traditional you know, sales methodology goes on BANT or budget, authority, need, and timing. And so if you start with budget, the only type of person who asks that question is if you are a commoditized player. If you're a consultant and an expert, the key thing is why now? Why not three months ago and why not six months from now? That's the first question. What is the pain in the business that's causing them to reach out to you as an agency right now? The second question is actually really important, which is, and why do you think we'd be a good fit for this project? As opposed to the prospect asking you as an agency owner, tell me about your credibility and your competency. It completely flips the conversation when you do it that way. Mm. And there's a, a couple of other questions that lead you down essentially a 15 to 20 minute phone call where you qualify the prospect and then you schedule them in for a conversation where it's the strategy session. That's where you're really breaking down your specific, we call it a signature system, um, the way that you generate results and how they may have their business's unique circumstances play into your model for delivering that result. Um, so that's all about additioning prospects. The second one is mastering the proposal. I've seen lots of different kinds of proposals uh, over the last decade, some short, some long. And striking the right balance is really important because if you don't have the right offer, you're just another option to your clients or your prospects. They're going to go, and effectively, here's what ends up happening. They go and seek out three quotes. If they're a mid to large size company, they have an RFP process. They're going to go to different agencies, get all their quotes in. They may have a you know, presentation, a PowerPoint. It could be a, an actual proposal document. And the first thing that they do is they skip past all of your content straight to the pricing page. And what they're effectively doing is treating it like they're buying groceries, like you're a commodity. And that's exactly what you don't want because then you just become an option for them. So we teach a specific offer unrolling sort of layout where we have a conversation where you show a proposal, you don't just share it. The next time somebody says, send me a proposal, there's a specific thing that you can say to them, which is, hey, as per our policy, I've heard everything that your asks are, but we don't actually send a proposal. What we want to do is show them to you and walk you through um, everything we've got in the proposal to make sure that the, the key areas of discussion that we're going to have here are going to help you in getting to the result that you want and specifically addressing the problem that you want to solve. Does that sound okay? And then once you get their permission for that, you then share the proposal with them, getting their comments live on that specific phone call or Zoom call. And that allows you to address any problems, any concerns in that proposal right then and there, as opposed to sending them a proposal and waiting and praying and hoping that they'll come back to you only for the prospect to essentially ghost you. Love that. I, so the first two things that you've touched on, I think tactically and pragmatically make a lot of sense. And again, I want to refer back to something that we talked about um, in that podcast with Blair, which is the importance of the dynamic of the relationship that's being set in the sales process here as well. Because on the back end, um, you know, because I love talking about process and profitability, when you don't have that dynamic where you're the one setting the cadence and the process for the project, then the client ends up being the one that's setting the cadence and the, the process. And that ends up in scope creep. It ends up in a bunch of unchecked additions to the project it ends up in your profitability essentially going to zero in a lot of cases and ultimately that the relationship 
is not a good one. And I think a lot of people are scared to ask for, you know, specific concessions in the process. And I think you see this mm-hmm. a lot more with bigger brands, right, Dev, where they have their process and they're evaluating a bunch of different agencies. But the research shows that if you can get a concession and if you can get treated differently than other agencies in that process, your chances of winning the deal actually increase enormously because you stand out from the pack in that sense. Um, so not only does it help you close the deal, but it's also going to help you on the back end to control the process and, and maintain your margins and ultimately generate better results for your clients a lot of the time because you're the one who gets to do you know what you're an expert in, which is drive the results. So yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. And you know, it's so much easier to change the, the nature of a relationship in the beginning when you're having a conversation than even a few weeks down the line. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, the frame of the relationship is already being cemented. And it becomes very hard to work yourself out of those bad habits. And you know this is true because if you think about it, do you have better relationships with your new clients or your clients from five years ago? And the legacy clients are always ones that will have uh, different asks. They want, they want favors from you. They want to do things differently than your process is today. And so what most, what most agency owners think is, hey, you know what? We're going to run the process, this ideal process that we've got in mind on a brand new client as opposed to changing it for our existing roster of clients. And you can start, that starts, by the way, at the sales process, the first conversation that you actually have. And imagine if they're not treating you well in the sales conversation, what's the relationship actually going to be like when you start working together? So that brings me to the third system in Convert, which is closing consistently. And this means a difference between a coin toss on every single conversation versus certainty and predictability that knowing that your conversation's got a specific flow and structure that leads predictably to you closing those conversations into clients. And that means that you need to control the cadence while still giving the illusion of the prospect being in the driver's seat. And there's a specific conversation structure that we use around that to lay down the, the, you know, the roadmap, if you will, from the initial conversation down to the close. One of the areas that I often see agencies struggle with is when they have a great presentation, they're feeling great about themselves, and then the prospect says, thanks very much, we'll get back to you uh, in four weeks, and then they don't, right? So the you know, prospects typically take longer than they do uh, to, to make a decision. Well, what do you say to them at that point in time? Is it just okay? Or thanks very much, I'll check up with you to see how things are going in four weeks' time. If that's happening, then you've immediately conceded your position as the expert. So there has to be some stakes to wanting to act fast in the conversation for them to want to engage you. If you're not meaningfully differentiated, if you're not taking control of that process where you're closing consistently, it just means that you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. And it also means that when the client, or in this case, the prospect asks for concessions, if you just offer it to them without asking for something else back, it also creates a weird dynamic where you know, the client's on a pedestal and you as a service provider are you know, lower down. And so that, that, you know, the typical areas of that are concessions that the client may ask for on payment terms, on upfront billing, on uh, you know, whether or not they'll give you a case study, whether or not you can include their logo on your website. And these are all areas that you can play back with. So every time that they're asking for you for something, you essentially will put in something else in that may be uh, an intangible value to you, highly valuable to you, not very costly for them. So that's part of the process, this dance between that initial conversation and the, down to the point where you close. So we've talked about attract, 
We've talked about convert. And now, of course, we have to talk about deliver. So if you're listening, I hope you're taking lots of notes. And I hope you've noticed by now that this is another thing that I love about you, Dev. I think you're one of the best educators in the space. I mean, there's lots of smart people, but when it comes to explaining these things in a way that is just clear and concise and can be memorized, you know, you're one of the best in the business. So I appreciate you coming on here and, and just delivering such specific, structured, systemized value. Um, it just makes me smile. And I hope and everyone is listening and appreciating that as well. It is an honor and a pleasure. Thank you again for having me. All right, so let's let's talk about deliver now. So deliver is you know most agencies are in a place where every day there's friction. You know there's friction between the number of clients you're getting on board and there's onboarding problems. There's invoicing and collection problems. There's you know scope creep problems where the client asks for one more meeting. And then there's reporting problems where you can't demonstrate the activities you do or the initiatives that you take to the ROI that you end up generating. So I figure that friction is no place for a great agency to be. What you really want is flow instead. There are three systems that we use in the deliver section uh, to help you attain that flow. And it starts with productizing your intellectual, your intellectual property. When you get this right, what ends up happening is that rather than feeling stuck where you are changing the way you do things for every single client, you really start unlocking the path to scalability. And so rather than doing more, you start doing less and figure out what are some of the things that we've done in the last, let's call it even three years of our agency where things have just gone really well. And we had a predictable way of getting the client the result that we wanted. And if we were to boil that down in a few steps, the, the top three or five things that we did, what did that look like for us? And it's, of course, with Marcel, the work that you end up doing with agencies, helping them understand where they were profitable as well, because most agencies don't know a profitable client from an unprofitable one. They simply know a painful client from an unpainful client, right? Yeah. Or from an easier to, easier to work with client. But that's got very little to actually do with their profitability. So you have to ha start productizing your IP and creating a methodology, a process, or a system that's unique to what you do. Now, one of the things to be aware of is something I call the curse of knowledge. And that is, you know, if let's suppose you are an SEO or a PPC agency or web design, you may think, well... We just do it the same way that everybody else does it. We just do it better or faster or cheaper or bigger. Anytime you have the word ER in comparison to, or a word that ends with ER in comparison to another agency, you have weak positioning. That's why you want to you know, productize your IP because there is something that you do. The way that you know what you do differently is to go through an exercise. We call it a powerful positioning exercise where we break down the key differentiators that make you uniquely and meaningfully different versus everybody else in the market. And the way you do it by, is you go interview your, your best clients. You go to your individual contributors. You go to their managers. You look at your systems documentation. You look at your case studies. And you understand there is a connecting theme over here that makes you a successful agency. And that is how you do things differently. Now, I've got a theory that there are no bad clients. They're just like bad processes around agencies. And there's a, a, a problem in them articulating their value. So productizing your IP is how you get around that. Now, every conversation is one where you can frame and engineer the expectations that the client's supposed to have. And it's just your process. Every time a new client comes in, you are teaching them that process. Every time you get a new hire on board, you're saying, at Acme Agency, this is how we do things. If you don't have that, then you're flying by the seat of your pants. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. And I, just to touch on that, I think a lot of people feel like that's a really hard thing to do, but sometimes all you need to do is be better at explaining this than any of your competition. If it is something that you feel like is pretty standard across the industry, just being able to draw it, for example, can be such a huge leverage point against your competition because you're taking something that's generally complex to your client and you're actually explaining it to them in the way that they've understood probably coherent for the first time and they can see themselves going through that process and getting to their end result. Um, so that, this is a really good one. I love this one. Yeah, totally. In fact, when we start interviewing prospects who are coming in, um, we're at the stage of our business where very few of the prospects that contact us are working with their first agency. Mm. In fact, we have a kind of a rule where if we're their first boyfriend or girlfriend, they may not be a great fit. Um, and so they must have, have worked with some other agencies just to understand what that experience of hiring an agency partner might look like. Um, and so we asked them, what, you know, what, you know, why aren't you just working with the agency that you're already with? Are you saying that the, the, the relationship was insalvageable? And if so, why are you, you seeking for a change? And often what they end up saying, a common theme is that we just don't understand how this agency is delivering value. That's number one. Number two, we have to tell them what to do rather than them being proactive and coming to us with opportunities, mm. which to me showcases a strategy and roadmap problem. Um, and number three, that, you know what, they're, they're very friendly and nice people, but ultimately I don't think that they're doing very much more for our business. We think we've outgrown them. So let's think about what is true over here in the client's mind. The client knows that their business is growing, which is great. We want clients who are growing instead of clients that are shrinking or contracting. The second thing is that they want thought leadership and they want to be led and you need to be the agency that will lead them. That means you need a process for, for, be, for being able to do that. And the third thing, of course, is that, you know, you always want to show them that there's a future ahead of, uh, for both of you together, as opposed to always just recounting the past, which is, by the way, what reporting does. It's always looking back at what happened this month or last quarter or last year. So for that, you want a system. We call it systemizing wins. So how can you predict exactly how the client's going to feel at a, in a 12-month sort of cycle where you know when they're going to feel high in energy and on results, where they're going to feel low in energy and on results as well. Typically speaking, most of you have got a churn point in between somewhere between the three and four month mark. So 90 to 100 days in, you know, a client starts getting a little jittery. They've made an investment. They haven't seen a return yet. And you're wondering, you know, when am I going to go actually see this work? That's when they churn at that point. So if you know that, why wouldn't you prepare for it and systemize the wins where you're laying down both the small beats as well as the big beats where the client wins in every interaction? So that, you know, what we call them intentional interactions where every time you talk to a client, it's not humdrum. It's not business as usual on your, you know, your weekly sync calls or your biweeklies or your monthlies. Every specific interaction has a, an intended result that you can engineer so that they're wowed and therefore they're winning every single time. That's a difference between growth for your agency and variability. That, that whole element of two steps forward and one step back. Love it. Makes perfect sense. I don't have a whole lot to add on that. I'm just enjoying this so much. <laughs> okay, dude. Last thing. I think agency owners get so caught up in trying to get new clients on board that they don't actually think about their own people. And here's the, the honest truth about it. Um, 
most agency owners are ignoring their superstars and their A players in their agency. And they're spending way too much time with the people who are not performing, who are dragging the agency down, and who are also toxic. And there, there needs to be a way for them to have more courageous conversations because you know, the company is its people at the end of its day. We are in the people business of gathering experts and uh, practitioners who create the results we want for our clients. And so if you don't have a system for upgrading your staff where you're training them, you're coaching them, and then you're also counseling out the staff that aren't a good fit, that's a big problem. So what we call that is leveraging talent where you either have a process that gets you high performance in the agency or you're dragged down by people who are not serving you and frankly themselves anymore. You know, I read an article recently about the, the most toxic employees in an, any business are the ones who don't quit. They just stay around and they don't actually have much progress. So if you don't have a system for rewarding your high, uh, you know, high performance players and coaching them through things like one-on-ones, quarterly reviews, growth maps, if you're only meeting with them once a year where they ask you for a compensation increase and uh, then you have to feel like you're on the other side of the table where you can't grant it to them. And that's not a great way of working together. So invest in your people because when you do, they will grow, they'll get better results and they will help crush it for your clients. Love it. So those are the three keys to delivery. So we've talked about attract, we've talked about convert, we've talked about deliver, and we've covered nine systems in such a beautiful, structured and concise way that every agency needs to make sure that they're paying attention to in order to achieve not only a nice profitable and scalable business, but also ultimately, hopefully, um, the same kind of leverage in the business that somebody like yourself that gets to um, have the opportunity to have, which uh, I think, again, is, is an important thing because there's a difference between, like we talked about earlier, the golden handcuffs and having a business that is actually working for you and is not just like making work for you. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about a lot of things today. Uh, I'm super excited. Those of you that are listening, wherever you're listening, leave a comment. Let us know what you know the biggest insight was that you got from this. And I'm sure there's lots of people that have heard you and want to get more of these insights. So where's the best place for them to connect with you or find you online if they want to hear more from Dev? Yeah, so definitely shoot me a message on LinkedIn, Dev Basu, or Twitter, Dev Basu as well. And you can find the milliondollaragency.coach website where I put up a bunch of content about attracting, converting, delivering so that you can grow and scale an agency business further. Um, there's a couple of other resources in there, including a, uh, a specific resource called the, the Perfect Proposal Planner. So if you're struggling with your proposal process, go ahead and download that. And if you'd like to be able to move a bit faster, then uh, go ahead and watch the million dollar plan. It's basically uh, a lot of the topics that Marcel and I have talked about over the last hour and broken down with far more visual examples because if you're listening to this right now, you want to actually see it, that's where you want to go. Awesome. So if you're listening, I will make sure we have links to all of that stuff in the show notes. So just scroll on down and you'll be able to get to that right away. And I highly encourage that you go check it out because if you thought Dev was good in audio, wait till you see him with the pen and paper drawing out the models. It's really quite an experience and just a, a joy to be on his trainings. And you know, I, like I've said before, I've been fortunate enough to attend several of them and, and they're always so insightful and you walk away feeling like you really know what to do next. Um, and it's quite refreshing. So with all of that, Dev, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, man. This was fantastic. 
I had a fantastic time. Thanks again for having me, Marcel. Always a pleasure. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.
ちゃう